You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. Amen. It's good to see you in the Lord's house. You glad to be here? Amen. We're delighted to see you. I uh, have a lot of ground to cover, but I, I would be in trouble if I didn't say I'm glad to have my mom and dad with me today. Amen. I'm also glad to have um, Amy Davis's mom and dad, Brother Frank Gufton and his wife. Uh, and we're delighted that they are with us. I've known him for a number of years. I, I don't want to tell you how old he is. And so uh, I'll... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he recently retired, and uh, we shared some time together in Valdosta and have always been great friends. We're delighted to have them, and I want to thank him for pointing Richard and Amy this way. Amen? We've been able to get Amy saved since then. I'm only teasing. She was saved, but uh, I figured I'd... <laughs> and we want to thank them for also contributing and help us. How many of you received this today or this uh, yesterday or day before? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Every, and, and let me apologize to those of you in the Kings Bay um, um, zip code and the White Oak. My deep apologies. We'll get you next year. <laughs> we did 31548, 31558, and 31569. But next year, I've already debriefed this among, uh, you know, with myself. So we will cover every zip code in, in Camden as well as... Uh, Folkestone, for that matter. Anyway, God bless you. We love you. Uh, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Amen. It is the Super Bowl of all Sundays. Now, I want you to do like this fellow and go invite somebody. Now, I mean, I don't care what they're listening to or what they're jamming to. Amen. Uh, now, you probably thought it was the brother who was, uh, you know, throwing down with the music. Uh, but our dear sister there crocheting, you know, was enjoying the jam. So anyway, or the beat. So whatever it is, I want you to reach out. In fact, when I finish this message, I'm going to challenge you to reach out to our community. I'm believing God for great and awesome things. And we've seen that, but I want to say, I want to say this. We haven't tipped, uh, the, the, we ain't scratched the surface yet. I believe that with everything in me. So I know God is going to do some great and powerful things. So let's get right to it. And uh, uh, turn with me, if you have your Bible, to the book of John, the book of John, chapter number 12. And I want to talk with you about Jesus, Jesus' last ride. And uh, I kind of italicized, or so they thought, because this was his last trip back to Jerusalem. This is where he knew he was going, he knew it was going to end. Some say they killed him. He said, I laid down my life. No one took it. But he laid himself down for you and I. But if I could show you the picture of what we're talking about right now, we're going to find Jesus riding on a donkey, coming into Jerusalem for the last time, knowing that he's coming and it's the final week and that, that he will lay his life down. He will eat one last supper um, with his uh, disciples together. He would be betrayed. He would be handed over to the authorities. He would be drugged through the streets to, to the high priest, to Caiaphas, to uh, Herod, and back and forth and back and forth with some mock trials. He would be scourged, you know, beaten, and then crucified. And of course, next week, we'll talk about what happened later. But notice with me John 12, and starting with verse 12, the next day, a great multitude 
that had come to feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him and they cried, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. Uh, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, notice this, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things. Therefore, the people, when they were with him, when he called, or there was people there that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, they bore witness. And for this reason, the people had also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees, uh, therefore, and said among themselves, you see uh, that you're accomplishing nothing. Look. In other words, the Pharisees, the religious right of that day said, we're accomplishing nothing. In all that we've done, he's still getting more and more popular. And now look at him. Here he comes riding into Jerusalem. And so the whole world, they said, has gone after him. So let me just say the triumphal entry into Jerusalem was, it was without pomp and circumstance. Uh, it was almost like Jesus coming into our hearts. I mean, yes, people do know it, but there's no pomp and circumstance. There's no big uh, this or that. Um, he just, he shows up. If we'll invite him in and he take up residence in our heart. John had earlier pointed at him when he was baptizing converts in the Jordan River and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It is he that is, comes after me, preferred before me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed baptize you with water and repentance, but he will baptize you. Are you with me? With the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it goes on and on. We see, we see Jesus coming to Jerusalem. We know John had talked about this and the other prophets had talked about it. I want you to catch with me the simplicity of it. Very, very simple. He comes to Jerusalem, no royal possession. It, I mean, on face value, you wouldn't know a king was coming to town. Um, I want you to see, if you will, the paradox, the stable, the manger that, you know, that he was in when he was born, it was borrowed. The boat that he preached from was borrowed. The donkey that he rode on was borrowed. The cross that he died on would be borrowed. The tomb that he would be laid in was borrowed. He himself said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man does not have anywhere to lay his head. But Paul would tell us in 2 Corinthians, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich for your sake, my sake, he became poor, that through his poverty we might be rich. You see, he owned everything. It's amazing to me, he owned it all but borrowed everything while he was here. Are, are you hearing me? And, and um, uh, there was no um, pomp. There was no festive occasion. Um, to, for us to appreciate the beauty of what's happening here, we have to see with the mind of the spirit. There were no guards, there were no soldiers. There was no glittering display of shields. If you remember the, the beaten shields of gold that Solomon had, 300 uh, beaten shields that later Rehoboam replaced with brass. But, but there was no uh, glistening shields. There was no 
armament on display. There was no royalty there uh, according to man's eye. No marching bands, no troops in review, no blast of trumpets or clashing of cymbals, no, no dignitaries there on attendance, no red carpet rolled out to make ready for a state visit. He did not ride in on a chariot drawn by stallions, no. He come lowly and meek, riding on a coat, the foal of an ass. A donkey. You see, every outward sign of royalty was lacking, but truly, truly a king was coming to town. He, he, and did you know there's something sim, uh, beautiful about the semblance of a donkey? He is sort of the king among uh, burden bearers, along with the ox. Are you with me? Say amen. But, but the donkey was used so much in that day. And think about this. That the donkey, I mean, Jesus is, you know, an average sized man, if you will. So that burden is not that big for the donkey. But think about the burden that Jesus is carrying. The weight of the world is upon his shoulders. Can you hear me? He's meek, he's lowly, he's coming to Jerusalem. People begin to lay down their garments. You know what? Uh, poor people. They didn't have all of the money. They didn't have all the means. And so what they did, they, they cut down palm branches. And if they didn't have palm branches, they would take their garments and lay their garments on, a, on the road. And this was a way to honor him that was coming. They had seen his miracles. They had heard of what he had done. And they wanted to honor him. Now, years ago, I read a message that uh, the late Peter Marshall had preached. And I, I want to show you, if I may, some of the scenery that's taken place. If I can say it in a nutshell, he came to Jerusalem. He was there for a period of time. And then, of course, there was the Last Supper, the betrayal by Judas Iscariot, where he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And then they come to arrest him. You remember that? He had prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, if there's another way, let this cup pass for me. And his disciples fell asleep, uh, somewhat like you in church sometime. Are y'all with me? But nonetheless, his disciples fell asleep. They fell asleep on the Mount of Transfiguration, too. And, you know, all of a sudden woke up, oh, it's good for you to be here. And, and we ought to build a temple for you and you and you. And Moses and Elijah showed up and all that stuff. But it, what a time to sleep. Anyway, let me move on. But uh, um, he began to share with us uh, some of the events that took place. And so let me just forego some of the events from him riding in and the marriage, uh, not the marriage supper, but the last supper and, and all of these things happened in the mock trial and Peter's denial and all that. Let me just get all the way to the cross. Strangely dark. Thunderstorm blowing in from the mountains. Clouds hid the sun. Women took their children by the hand and hurried back to the city. People looked up and the sky became uh, frightened uh, or frightening, if you will, by the uncanny darkness that seemed to pervade the place. They stood blinking in the flashes of lightning like daggers of fire. Their eyes were watching a man on a cross, shifting eyes, doubting eyes, Eyes from which hell itself looked. Eyes with gloating in them. Eyes that looked but yet never really saw. Lips were moving. Fierce lips. Fastened lips drawn in the lines of cruelty, 
open lips that vomited blasphemies against, uh, against him and faces there looking up at him on the cross and white ashen faces, if you will, and mad faces, twisted and contorted faces. And then there were those that were laughing and those that were convulsed, if you will, and some that were jeering and cheering and uh, having a great time. They say more than 600 men walked by him that day, many of them slapping him across the face, others spitting on him. And there he was. There was fingers pointed at him hanging on the cross and quivering on a tree, long and bony fingers mocking him and accusing fingers of scorn and ridicule and everything you could think of and the noise. If you could hear the noise, uh, the confused noise, the beat of the people that was there. Oh my, you, you, you think there's a rally right now against politicians? Oh, you should have seen it then. The noise is there from one side of him. There's the sigh of pains and the soft moans of one that is dying for his crime. We know him as the thief on the one side that, that was uh, uh, crying out to him and then there was one on the other side that was speaking words that I can't even say here today. Then there was weeping there, the women that was crying, those who loved him openly wailing, unashamed, uh, sobbing, the wounded flower of Magdala, consoled by the lovely one that once held him in her arms. There's Mary at the foot of the cross and John beside her. Simon from Cyrene would from time to time wipe away a tear perhaps with the back of his hand. And then there's Peter standing just outside by an enemy's fire, if you will, hot tears flowing down his eyes, if you will, just before, or, or, or since he had betrayed him, there he is. And they hurled insults at him that was on the cross. And they said horrible things about him. And some likened them to barbs dipped in venom. And they shot snarling words at him. Thou that would build the temple in three days. Uh, thou that could heal the sick and raise the dead. He saved others. He cannot save himself. Uh, he saved others, but uh, he, he, he made uh, legs that were crippled to, to walk again, but look at his legs. They're bound and they're tied. He had restored withered arms, but look at his. They're stretched out. He even brought back the dead, but he cannot save himself. And I would say to you today, it is not that he cannot save himself. It was that he would not save himself. He had the opportunity to tap out if he wanted to. Some of you have watched some UFC fights and various other sports where if someone gets in trouble, and maybe it's a choke hold, maybe it's a leg lock, whatever it is, and they're about to lose their limb or about to be choked out, they will tap out and, and it's it. The ref says that's it. And at any time, Jesus could have tapped out and said, I can't do it. But I'm going to tell you what he did at the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if there's no other way, if this must be done, then this is what I will do. If there's no other way, then that's what I'll do. And I'll go all the way. You see, uh, the noise was so loud at the foot of the cross and around that day, 
nobody heard what he said when his lips moved in prayer. And what he was saying was, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And then the drunken thief, if you will. You, you see, it's amazing because in those days they did either or. They, you got scourged, that's whipped, with a cat of nine tails. They would beat you or scourge you within an inch of your life or crucify you. But not both. But for Jesus, he got both. You see, uh, it was unheard of that you would get both. No wonder these guys on either cross was doing pretty good because they hadn't had the 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails that he had had. But one thief says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, uh, you know, and the other one says, uh, why don't you shut up? And, you know, if, if he's the Christ, why don't he just get out from here and save himself and save us? And the other says, do you not fear God? See, we are here because of what we've done. We are here because we've broken their laws. We rightly deserve this, but this man has done no wrong. Everyone he went to, everyone he was examined by said he's done no wrong. And this one thief said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus mustered up the strength to say, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. Oh, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. What a wonderful, wonderful teaching. And then as the sun gets hotter now and hotter and time oozes out like blood dripping from the cross, Jesus opens his eyes and sees his mother standing there and John beside her and he called the name of John and he came a little closer and he says, John, take care of her. And then he says, mom or Mary, this is your son. And all historians tell us that John did that and took care of her until she died. He's, he said, um, he's going to be your son. His lips now are moved, but they are parched. He spoke with difficulty. His head moved uneasily upon the cross beam, the hard wood that was there as a sick man would move his head on a hot pillow. The women beneath the cross are crying and they're wailing. The centurion got silent. Although every now and then he would look up at the strange face of Jesus. Could you picture this with me? This Roman soldier that has done this, no telling how many times, but never had he been driving the nails into a man's hand. And look at those deep, dark eyes. And he looks at him and says, I forgive you for what you're doing. Amen? Because I could see people before that would be cussing all the way to the last drop of blood dropped from their body. They would curse them, but this guy loved them all the way to the end. The soldiers there now, their gambling has been done. They've won, they've lost. And suddenly Jesus musters the strength to say something and he cries out and some say, it was a loud voice. Others say it was just as much strength as he could muster. Some say it was sad and others says it was glad. But here it is, he mustered enough to say, it is finished. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And with that he died. And I want to tell you with all, that is the reason he came. Mission accomplished at this point, amen. You saved others, but you cannot save yourself. Well, I'm gonna tell you something, they were wrong, but yet 
they were right in a sense. You know, let me, let me help you understand this. He may could have compromised with the priest. Perhaps he could have bargained with Caiaphas, talked it over with Pilate. Uh, he might have made his kingdom political instead of spiritual. He might have chosen to uh, handle the expedient over what was right, as he himself reminded Peter. He might have called 12 legions of angels. You remember when they come to get him in the garden? He said, you come against me uh, with swords and staves. He said, uh, do you not know that I could call 12 legions of angels if I want more than 72,000 angels if I wanted to? All I gotta do is say the word and my father will dispatch angels to come and get me. I don't have to be here, but I choose to be here. Mm -mm. You see, he might have withstood the plotting. He might have saved himself. He had the power. He could have done it, but no man can save himself and his people. It's, you see, an acorn cannot survive. You know, it can either be on its own or it can die so that another tree can live. You see, Jesus said a corn of wheat, unless it falls into the ground and dies. Are y'all hearing me? It's so symbolic, isn't it, that they put him in the ground. But it was only three days, amen? But, but a soldier cannot save himself and his country. You see, he has to take the risk. He has to put it on the line. A shepherd can't save himself from all the risk and, uh, no. It's either, or. Oh, you gotta take one or the other. He's the good shepherd and hence, when he would consummate that great salvation, there was no other way than for him to lay down his life for that salvation. For you see, for to love is never to think of ourself, but to give ourself for someone that we love. Amen? To give ourselves. You see, uh, couldn't he have saved himself without so much bloodshed? Why did it have to go down like this? Well, Jesus asked that question, is there another way? And it wasn't another way. The blood of bulls and goats was no longer good enough. That's why Peter would later write that we are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver or gold, but we are redeemed with the blood of a spotless lamb. John said, slain from the foundation of the world. This was already made up in his mind that this is what I'll do. Lord, help me. You see, if he had only been a teacher, if he had only been a philosopher, if he had only been a dreamer that was amused and bedazzled by the brilliance of some dream, he might have done these things that I mentioned, but he had a deeper work. He didn't come to teach, he came to save. He didn't come to just teach, he came to redeem. He came to, uh, to save us from what the, the condition that we were in, to take our hand in his hand and meet together, he said. I am come to seek and to save that that is lost. I have come to give my life as a ransom. Let me say this. Calvary's what he came for. He came to sacrifice. Let's, let's go ahead and, and go deeper with this. S suppose, Peter Marshall said this, suppose something swept over me such remorse, such contrition eh, that I desired to make atonement for all the things that I had done. What a task that would be, he said. 
He said, for I would think of yesterday and I would remember the things that I said yesterday and the people that I hurt yesterday and the pain that I had dealt out uh, and, and it would cut like a knife into my heart. And I would say, he says, I'll take the pain that I caused you and I, I'll put it upon myself and I'll, I'll go to everyone that I've hurt with my words and my deeds and I'll gather up all that pain and I'll take it and then I'll remember the deeds that I've done yesterday and the things that I'm now ashamed of and the deeds that will take away some amount of peace in your life and some amount of joy and I'll say I'm sorry for that and I'll take it upon me. I'll say let me bear your pain. I'll say let me handle what I hurt you with and, and, and I would say to the tribunal of my own conscience, I'm guilty of these things. Let me bear the punishment that I deserve so the tribunal of my heart fixes the penalty. How much suffering should I bear for what I've caused you? How much pain should I go through for that that I have caused you? How much should I have to endure for the people that I have hurt? And I know some of you probably have never hurt anybody and you never broke a match. I get it and I know some are thinking that way, but what punishment for breaking someone's heart? What punishment do I deserve for telling the lie? What punishment for harboring unworthy suspicion, for saying things that I should not have said? And then I'll remember the day before yesterday and the day before that and the same thing and the day before that and last week and last month and last year. And all of a sudden I realized if I'm gonna take on that, it would crush me. That's why I say when Jesus rode into Jerusalem the last time, he had a crushing weight upon him. If I awaken my conscience to all that is uh, upon me, my just reward for sin, I couldn't bear it. I have too much sin of my own. I couldn't go very, back, very far back into my yesteryears without, and trying to make restitution for the wrongs that I've done, no matter how much I love you. No matter how sorry I am, no matter how much I care for you, I cannot take the punishment that I deserve. So we need to find someone who don't have so much baggage. We gotta find someone that, whose burdens is light. And that someone is Jesus. He's the only one because he had no sin of his own. You see, he loved us. He, he loves me. He loves you. And he says things like this, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. He says, let me, let me have your heavy burden and you can take mine. Mine's light. It's like a father that would say to a child. I remember when I, me and daddy, uh, back in the snow of 73, we was out of groceries and nobody could drive and man, it was terrible. And he and I walked all the way to the grocery store. It's a pretty good walk. And we bought, I don't know, three bags or so back when they done the paper sacks about this high and they really put something in it. And we're walking home. And you know, like a good father, he's carrying both the big bags and I'm carrying the light one, you see. And that's what the Lord's saying to us. He said, you don't have to carry the heavy ones. Let me carry them. I'll let you carry the light ones. You see, I'll carry them for you and I'll take the punishment for you. You can't bear it, but I, I can bear it. And so he gathers it all up and he says, you know what, let, let it be upon me. So he was scourged and he was beaten and more than 600 men uh, come by that day and spat upon him and slapped him and stripped him of his clothes and plucked his beard out of his face and gambled on his clothing for his vesture. 
as it is written, they gambled and they done all of these things. It's a horrible sight, horrible sight in order to right all the wrongs since the world began, to take all the pain since the first tear arrived on a human cheek in order to do all of that. The load crushed him. To take from our hearts the disappointments that we've caused. To take from uh, our mind and our conscience the heartache that we've done. The wounds that we have inflicted. The sorrows that we have done. Uh, It broke his heart to do it. And that explains the mystery of the cross. Why would he do it for me? Why would he do it for you? Now scarcely would someone die for a good man. But while... Romans 5, but while we were still in sin, God commended his love for us that while we were still in sin, not good men, not good women, not high moral standing people, while we were still steeped in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. You may or may not like it, but for the murderer, he died. I don't like this either because it just, just, for the molester, he still died. Huh, are y'all hearing me? For the most heinous crime you can think about, he still died and he still will extend mercy if they will genuinely repent. And I know that's a word that most people don't use anymore. It means to do an about face and turn and walk away. The prophet said, and the Lord, here's what Isaiah said, who hath believed our report. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Huh? He talked about the Lord Jesus he, as a root out of dry ground. He says, uh, he hath no form or comeliness that we should desire him. And, 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 and verse six of chapter 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then Jesus says to his disciples that night, this cup represents the New Testament and my blood that's going to be shed for you and uh, for many and for the remission of sin and this is my body which is going to be broken so what do we do with a Savior like that what can we say in the face of such love he saved others but he cannot save himself you see the servant is not above his master you and I deserve what he got Amen. So now, now Pastor, why, why do you show me that? And why is this so important for me to see? And, and this just barely scratches the surface. We could get into the deep inflicting wounds at Calvary and the sufferings. Oh, my late Pastor Darrell Glass preached the greatest message I ever heard on the sufferings of the cross and what he, what he endured. But just suffice it to say, he rode into Jerusalem as prophesied he he came to town he stayed there that final week and then they arrested him they took him to the trials and then they eventually passed sentence and even though Pilate washed his hands and said I I don't have anything to do with this they took him out and scourged him they beat him with a cat of nine tails and then they began to crucify him and there he is hanging on this tree People are wailing and sobbing. The centurion, as he gave up the ghost, when it was all said and done, and he said, it is finished, and Father, into the hands, I commend my spirit. The Bible says the, the sun refused to shine. It got eerily dark. The birds stopped singing. Are you hearing me? And, uh, 
And even the Father, the heavenly Father, looked the other way when he who knew no sin became sin for you and I, nailing it to the tree. So there he is. The earth began to convulse and shake. The sun's not shining. In the temple, something happened. If you could imagine that back wall being a black veil from top to bottom, it is torn in half now. You know why? Because the sacrifice at Calvary, the blood of a spotless lamb, has now been applied to the mercy seat. And guess what? You and I can now approach the throne of God to obtain grace to help in time of need. Mission is accomplished. He come to give us life. He comes so that we could live. And so, because of what he, you know, years ago, a high priest had to talk to him for you. One time a year, they would come and go to the Holy of Holies. And they kept him up all night long, you know, reciting scripture and whatever. And he would go and, you know, they tied a rope around him so if, if the, and bells around the fringe of his garment. So if the bells quit ringing, they'd just pull him out because anybody that walked in the presence of God like that, you're gone, done, over. Nobody could approach God except the high priest and only one time a year. But guess what? Because of what Jesus did after this triumphal entry, because of what he did at Calvary, the veil of the temple has been rent in two. It's torn asunder. And now, guess what? That, you know what that did? That hid the holy of holies from the holy place. Now, guess what? You don't have to wait on me. We might have a little tiff of an argument, and I might not talk favorably to God for you. But you can go to him now. Say, God, please deal with my preacher. I don't know what's wrong with him, but you can go on your own now. So here, I, I said that to say this. I know this is a little bit different. I want to end it a little bit different. I'm going to show you a video in a second. Because next Sunday is the greatest Sunday of the year for the church. There's going to be more lost people here next Sunday than, I mean, I mean it could possibly be as many as you'll see in a year. Definitely more than a lot of churches see in a year. And so, and I know this is going to strike you weird when you hear this song and it comes up in just a second and I'm, I'm going to play it for you and I'm going to play it anyway. And I'm simply challenging you since Jesus did what he did for you. I want you to do something about it. We've sat long enough. We've enjoyed it long enough. We've said, well, I want church my way. I want my song. I want my this, my seat, my name tag on my chair, pew, whatever. I just want this and I want to be comfortable and all of it. And I want to tell you this. Here's the truth. It's not about you and it's not about me, especially if you're saved. If you're a sinner out here, I love you to death and I, I'm not even talking to you. But if you're here and you're saved, guess what? It's not about your creature comfort. It's not about the music that I particularly or you particularly like. Hey, I can get down with just good old southern gospel, and that's good, but it ain't reaching this generation. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to watch the lyrics. I believe the lyrics are going to come as they sing this song, and bear with me, and then we're going to tie it up after that. Let it roll. Welcome to the planet Welcome to existence Everyone's here Everyone's here Everybody's watching you now 
say this. He said, when you're trying to get from where you are to where you ought to be, there's going to be resistance and there's going to be tension. But he said, salvation is here. In the light of what I shared with you about Calvary, what Jesus has done, and I know some of you say, man, I can't tie this together. Here's what my challenge is. I dare you to go tell somebody about Calvary. You, you don't have to understand it. All you got to do is say, come with me next week. Come with me next week. You can use, I don't know if they still got any of those little cards back there, but I want to challenge you to approach at least five people. If you can't talk to them, if that's just not your bag, leave that card somewhere. But my deal is this, I dare you to pass on what I've shared. This will just whet your appetite. This is just scratching the surface. 
I dare you to tell somebody else what Jesus has done. He said, I gave my life so you could live. And I want to ask you this. If you're willing, you say, Pastor, you know what? I'll, I, I'll take that dare. I'll do it. I want you to stand with me. I'll do it. Don't stand if you don't mean it. But I'll take that dare. And I'll move. I'll do something. I heard a missionary say, why in the world should we get to hear it twice? When there are those who have never heard the gospel once. Why should we get to argue and complain about what we ought to do at the church and this ought to be that color? You know what? I don't really care what color any of it is as long as we're reaching people that are lost. Amen? I don't even talk about interior design and all that. You know that's not me. I don't even dress myself as far as I I wear what she says put on. If it don't match, it's her. Amen? Because I, I don't have a clue. I just, that's how it is. But I do care about this. I care about him. I care that he came. And this is a preparatory Sunday. Now listen, if you're here while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I preach this message. If you're here today and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, listen, I ain't trying to embarrass you. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing. But I'll say this, right where you are, you can receive the Lord into your heart. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I heard it. Maybe you heard it for the first time. Maybe I heard it and and it pricked my heart today. Are you here? Can I just see you lift your hand up and write back down? Somebody, God bless you, sir. Somebody else, God bless you, sir. Somebody else, I've seen a couple hands, two or three. There's another. Somebody else, touch me today. Thank you. God bless you, sis. Somebody else, I've seen four or five hands go up. I just want to repeat this simple prayer right now. Listen, just repeat the prayer for somebody won't do a thing for you unless you mean it in your heart. But if you mean it in your heart, it'll change your whole world. It simply says this, Jesus, I've sinned. I want you to come into my heart and forgive me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I've tried to do it my way and I failed. Can't do it my way anymore. So I've heard your gospel today and it's good news. Please come in. Be the Lord of my life. I accept you. I don't want to do it my way no more. I want your way. The word says if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that God raised his son Jesus from the dead, that I shall be saved. For with my heart I believe unto righteousness and with my mouth confession is made unto salvation so according to the word of God I am saved today hallelujah hallelujah give the Lord praise for that our host is just about to come but here's what my challenge to you is this I want you to tell somebody I know it's going to be very crowded out there, and I don't even know if, if we got any more of those little cards, but if you've already picked them up, then I want to challenge you. I dare you to move. But let's reach this goal of 750 people this Easter. I'm believing by the grace of God. How many of you believe with me? Let me see your hand. You're going to believe with me. Amen. Let's do it in the name of Jesus. Come. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.